You're listening to audio from New King Church. If you'd like to get our weekly sermons, hit subscribe. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit newkingchurch.com. All right, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn in your Bible to the second chapter of Hosea. Hosea is in the Old Testament. Um, it is after Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations. Then you have Ezekiel, Daniel, and then Hosea. If you see Joel or Amos, you've gone a little bit too far. So go ahead and turn to the second chapter of Hosea. We're going to be looking at several places in there. We're going to start out in the second chapter. We are living in uncertain times, are we not? We are in the midst of a pandemic, and our world leaders don't know what to do. And people are living in fear and uncertainty um, and confusion. We're afraid of getting this virus and dying. People are afraid of, of death. People are afraid of a failing economy. People aren't sure what their governments are going to restrict them from doing. They're not sure if they might lose their job or their retirement. So there's much fear in our world today. There's confusion. Um, all over the world, our politicians are uncertain about what to do. Our governments are uncertain about how to stop the spread of this virus. We are not sure what the future holds or if this virus will come back or if it comes back, if any vaccine that we create now will help us with a future version that comes back. And so we are confused and we are searching for peace. Many people and perhaps you are searching for peace in the midst of all of this. And that's especially who I want to speak to through this message. The context of the book of Hosea is that in Hosea, which happens in the 8th century BC, Hosea is a prophet of God and he is a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel. And so the kingdom of Israel is divided into the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And Hosea specifically is speaking to the northern kingdom of Israel, and they are in a time of turmoil and political unrest. They have experienced six different kings in the past 30 years, um, and these kings were either betrayed or murdered um, or overthrown. I mean, it's been a mess. The Assyrian kingdom has been spreading, and the Assyrian army is... Um, taking over many lands and exiling peoples. And that was perhaps the greatest fear of any, of any people in the 8th century BC was that they would be overthrown and exiled. And it was looking imminent that the Assyrian army was going to invade them. And so when Hosea writes um, this book, the people of God are in turmoil. The people of God are terrified. They are confused. They don't know what they should do or what's coming in the future, much like the situation that we're in today. And God is very unhappy with his people during this time because his people have turned away from him and they are worshiping the idol, the false god, Baal. And they are rejecting their God and they are following after the pattern of 
the nations around them. And they are breaking faith with their God and they're breaking covenant with their God. And so God is very unhappy with them. And God compares himself to a betrothed husband, to, to this unfaithful um, future spouse. And so he says, you have, you have been unfaithful to me because of their sin and their rebellion. And I believe he looks upon the world today with much the same feeling. I believe he looks on our world today and he sees our sexual sin, our adultery. He sees our pornography. He sees the way that we have given over to homosexuality and we have rejected his authority about what he says about biblical marriage and what he says about purity. We have rejected his authority and what he says about gender, about creating human beings, male and female in his image. He, he looks at what, what we view on TV, on Netflix, the movies we watch, the violence, and his heart is grieved. He sees the way that we worship material possessions and the way that we store up and hoard up money for ourselves. He sees the way that we murder innocent, helpless, unborn babies in the womb. And God is grieved, much in the same way that he looked at his people in the day of Hosea. And his heart was broken and his heart was grieved. I believe God looks at our world today with that same grief. And so God, in Hosea's day, he instructs Hosea to sound the alarm, to send out a wake-up call to his people. You have sinned against me. You've broken faith with me. You have gone astray. And he's ready to get their attention. And so we read in Hosea chapter 2, in verses 6 through 8, he says, Therefore I will hedge up her way with thorns, and I will build a wall against her, so that she cannot find her paths. She shall pursue her lovers, but not overtake them. And she shall seek them, but shall not find them. So he says, I'm going to throw up roadblocks in their path. They will not be able to do the things that they want to do. I'm going to put a wall around them and they will be frustrated because their plans will fail. And he's doing this to get their attention. And then we read on, he says in verse eight, and she did not know that it was I who gave her the grain, the wine and the oil and who lavished on her silver and gold, which they used for Baal. God says, my people don't realize I'm the one who gave them the money that they have. I'm the one that gave them their strong economy. I'm the one that gave them their sons and their daughters. I'm the one that gave them their beautiful houses. And then they've taken all that I have given them, and they're using it to serve Baal. They're using it to serve a false god. And to worship Baal meant that they would go and that they would participate in temple prostitution. 
And so worshiping Baal meant sexual sin. It meant serving a false god that was no god. And on top of all of it, they did it all so that they could get more of what God had actually given them. Baal was the god of prosperity and fertility. And so they did it all in order to get more of what God had given them. And this was grievous to the Lord. And so God says, I'm going to wake them up. I'm going to give them a wake-up call. What's he going to do? We read on. Look at verse 13 of chapter 2. He says, And I will punish her for the feast days of the Baals, when she burned offerings to them and adorned herself with her ring and jewelry and went after her lovers and forgot me, declares the Lord. God says, I'm going to punish her. And you say, I thought God was a loving God. Yes, he is a loving God. And he is he has every right to punish those that he made. He is the creator. He is the father of all spirits. And so he has the right, just like an earthly father has the right to discipline his children. God, the father of spirits, has every right to discipline every person that he's made. And he does it always with the intention that he would get our attention that he would bring us back to himself, the source of our life, when we run from him. And so God says, I'm going to punish them. Hebrews 12 says that we have earthly fathers who punish us, who discipline us, and we respect them should we not also respect our heavenly father when he disciplines us. We read on. He's going to tell us how he plans to Get his people's attention. Look at Hosea 2, 14 and 15. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Achor a door of hope. I will allure her away. I will bring her into the wilderness. In other words, he says, I am going to isolate my people. I'm going to exile them. I'm bringing them out into the wilderness to be isolated away from all of the distractions, away from the people that have been pulling them away from me. And why is he going to do it? He is going to cause trouble to come upon them. The valley of Achor, the word Achor means trouble. He says, I'm going to bring you into the valley of trouble. I'm going to get your attention by isolating you and bringing you into a place where you have to wake up. I'm bringing you into the valley of trouble. Is that not what God is doing today? Is that not what he is doing all over the globe? Through this pandemic, through the sufferings that people are experiencing, through the confusion, through the fear, is he not saying, I want your attention. I want you to wake up. I'm bringing you into the valley of trouble. Make no mistake. Every hardship that we go through on this earth, God allows. He ordains and he uses it all as a merciful wake-up call before it is too late. There is going to come a day when it is too late for us 
to wake up. There's coming a day when it will be too late for us to turn away from all of our rebellion and turn to God. Acts chapter 17, verse 30 says, The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, to turn from their sin. Why? Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. God commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. You see, any opportunity that God gives, any wake-up call that God gives before that final and terrible day that he gives to wake us up and turn us to him is a merciful thing. And I believe that what is happening right now all over the globe is that God is getting our attention and he is saying, wake up before it is too late to turn to me. It is merciful because the day of judgment is coming when you will stand alone before the judgment seat of Christ. And I will stand alone before the judgment seat of Christ. And the Bible says that every secret thing will be disclosed. Every evil thought, every evil deed, the things that you thought no one would ever find out about, they will be put on display on that day when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That day is fixed and it is coming. But he says, I, I have brought you into, I've brought you into the valley of trouble to get your attention. And I want to take this valley of trouble and make it a door of hope. What does he mean by that? I want to make the valley of Achor, the valley of trouble, a door of hope. I want to explain to you what this hope is. You see, I believe that this coronavirus, this collapsing economy, the fear, the confusion, all of it, everything that the world is experiencing right now and will experience in these weeks and months ahead are meant to be a door of hope. In Hosea, Hosea goes on to explain that the northern kingdom of Israel has walked away from God because of the failures of the teachers to pass on a true knowledge of God. Listen to what he says in Hosea chapter 4. Hosea 4 verse 1. He says, Hear the word of the Lord of children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land there is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. He says there is no knowledge of God and he goes on to explain that this is the fault of the teachers of that day, that they have not rightly taught the word of God. 
And that is so true in our day as well. We have so many preachers that are preaching that preach simply to tickle the ears. They don't preach about repentance and they don't preach about sin and they don't preach about judgment. They're basically preaching feel-good sermons because they want to get more followers. And God says, I have a real problem with you. I have a controversy with you. There is no knowledge of God in the land. You see, this is true of our world today. And what happens when there's no knowledge of God is that we run further and further into sin. We run further and further into rebellion and unrighteousness. This leads us into foolishness. And so today, all over the world, we have no knowledge of God. Hosea says in 4.6, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I reject you from being a priest to me. My people are destroyed because they do not know the word of God. They do not know God. And he says, all over the world today, in the United States and in Canada and in South America and in Europe and in Africa and in the Middle East and in Asia and in Australia, all over the globe, people that God made in his own image, they do not know him. And his heart breaks because there is no knowledge of God. There's no knowledge of God, and so his people are destroyed. You see, the Bible says that God is righteous, and the world doesn't know this. God is righteous. He is holy. He is perfect. He does what is good always. He only does what is good. The Bible says that God is spirit, that there's nowhere that you can go in all of the universe where God is not already there. The Bible says that God is all-knowing. It says he knows even the thoughts of man. He knows when you sit down and when you get up. He knows when you go to bed and when you wake up in the morning. In fact, the Bible says he knows how many hairs are on your head. The Bible says that God provides. He provides for the birds of the air and the flowers of the field and the grass. And he provides for you. The Bible says that he made human beings in his image, male and female, God created human beings in his image. God created us for relationship with him. But the Bible also says that we ultimately rejected God. We walked away from God and his ways and we said we want nothing to do with you. We chose our own way. We chose to define what is good and evil for ourselves without considering what he, the creator, considers good and evil. But the entire Bible is the story about how God has pursued human beings. He's come after us to restore relationship for us. And so this entire book is one big story that leads up to the climactic scene of Jesus Christ, his only son coming to earth to live as a human being. And he lives a perfect and sinless life. And Jesus Christ dies on the cross in our place. You see, the entire Bible is about God coming after sinners to rescue us because we are filled with selfishness. 
We're, we're filled with pride, and the Bible says that God hates pride. We're filled with a love for money and greed. And the Bible says you cannot serve both God and money. We are filled with self-righteousness. And we have believed that we are more righteous than God, that we are wiser than God, that we're more compassionate than God, that our way is better than His. We've redefined righteousness to suit ourselves. We've redefined religion to suit ourselves and sex to suit ourselves. We've redefined education and family and gender and government instead of going to Him, the Creator of it all, to see His good, His wise, and His perfect design. And all of this is because we have no knowledge of God, and so we're destroyed by a lack of knowledge. And as I said, one day, the day is fixed. We will stand before Jesus Christ at the judgment. And God has given us a way out so that when we stand before him at the judgment, we will be declared innocent. You see, Jesus Christ is not only our judge, but he is also our rescuer. He is not only the one who will stand before us and can declare guilty, but he is also the one that can declare us innocent because of what he did. Because he hung on that cross, he made a way for us to be forgiven of all of our sin. You see, Jesus Christ, when he went to the cross, he went in our place. He was taking our punishment. He took our sins upon himself, all of our pride, all of our self-righteousness. He took it upon himself and he paid the price for it and he died in our place and he was buried. But on the third day, God, the Father, raised him from the dead. And Jesus Christ is alive. You're not going to stand before a dead and powerless judge one day, but a very living, victorious judge. Christians do not trust in a dead Christ, but a risen Christ. And I want to offer to you today a living Christ. He rose from the dead he is alive. He has fire in his eyes and his enemies are under his feet. Jesus Christ is a living Savior. And he's offering to you today an opportunity to turn from your sins and put your trust in him before that great and terrible day of judgment. You see, the valley of trouble that you find yourself in today is meant to be a door of hope. How do we walk through this door of hope? The Bible says in Hosea 5.15, I will return again to my place, God says, until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face and in their distress earnestly seek me. You see, God in Hosea's day and God in our day today was sounding an alarm. He is saying, if you will seek my face, if you will in your distress turn and earnestly seek me and walk away from your sins, if you will choose 
this day that you will serve me and not your sins. Then I will offer you a door of hope. He says, you have a choice to make today. You can choose your sin. You can choose your pornography. You can choose to pursue your career as your God. You can choose to make your family your God. You can choose to do what you want to do. Or you can walk away from your sin and you can come to God. You can earnestly seek him and you will find him if you do. The Bible says if we will acknowledge our guilt, and turn to him. He will save us. Remember Acts 17.30 said. He commands all people everywhere to repent. All people everywhere. That is every single one of us. That is every single nation. Every single tribe. Every single human being. He commands that we all repent. And turn to him before that day of judgment. Do you know that right now today, today you have an opportunity to walk through the door of hope? And if you haven't picked this up yet, friend, let me tell you, the door of hope is Jesus Christ. He brings us into trouble. He brings us into pain. He brings us into uncertainty because he wants to point us to himself, to get our attention so that we will walk away from our sin, walk away from our idols and turn to him and come to him through Jesus Christ, the door of hope. He died that we may live. He died so that we could be forgiven. And if we turn from our sins and we put our trust in him and we believe that he is the son of God and that he rose from the grave, we too can be forgiven. Every person who's hearing this right now, you can be forgiven of your sin if you will walk through the door of hope. How do you do that? Well, all through the New Testament, whenever a person hears the gospel and believes it, there is a response of faith. And the response of faith all through the New Testament was baptism. And unfortunately, I can't baptize you right now. But all through the New Testament, when someone believed in Jesus and they were ready to turn from their sins and follow Jesus and trust him, they would be baptized. It was a public declaration of their faith in Jesus. It was an act of faith because faith is always accompanied by action. Whether that was Jesus healing a person and he would say, stand up and walk, or he's healing a person with a withered hand and he says, stretch out your hand. Or when it's, you've believed in Jesus, well then let's be baptized. There was always an action involved that would show their faith. And so right now, wherever you are watching this, I want to challenge you to mark this day right now and choose to take a step, an action step to mark your faith in Jesus Christ. If you're putting your faith in him right now, if you're ready to turn from your sin right now, here's what I want you to do. If you're watching this on Facebook Live, or if you're watching a recording of this, it doesn't matter. I want you to make a comment on Facebook that says, today I put my trust in Jesus. Make it public. The Bible says that if your faith is real, if it's genuine, you will not be ashamed of him. Or if you're watching this some other way or listening to this through some other medium, 
then here's my challenge to you. Call a friend. Do you have a Christian friend that you could call? And tell your friend, today I put my trust in Jesus and I wanted you to know about it. Maybe you don't have a Christian friend. You can, you can contact us. Contact New King Church. Send an email to us at info at newkingchurch.com and tell us, say, today I put my trust in Jesus Christ and I wanted you to know about it. But whatever it is that you need to do today, I want you to take a step of faith. Show that your faith in Jesus Christ is genuine and that you're not ashamed of him. What do you do if you're already a believer? Well, Hosea says in Hosea chapter 6, let us press on to know him. Let us press on to know him. So today, wherever you are, if you're a believer or if you just put your trust in Jesus, you've just begun this walk with Jesus. Here's what I want to invite you today. Here in the valley of trouble, in the midst of a global pandemic, while maybe you're isolated in your home, here's my challenge to you. Instead of turning on the news every minute, instead of looking at your phone every minute, open up the word of God. Press on to know him. A wise man once said, we will never know God more than we know his word. God has revealed himself to us through his word. If you don't have a copy of the Bible, then get one. If you need help getting one, then email us and we will get you one. But get a Bible and begin to read God's word. If you don't know where to begin, start with the Gospel of John. And read the Gospel of John a little every day. And pray and say, God, reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. Press on to know him. Let us not squander this opportunity. God has drawn us into the wilderness. He has isolated us. He wants our attention. And today he says, I want to turn your valley of trouble into a door of hope. And he does that as you pursue knowing him through his son, Jesus Christ. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for the wonderful news, the greatest news in all the world, that you came to save sinners like me that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on a cross in our place. And Lord, for people who are listening to this, I pray right now, open their eyes to see their need for you. If you're listening right now and you wanna put your trust in Jesus Christ, then all you simply need to do is say, Father God, I repent of my sins. I want to turn away from all my wicked ways. I want to put my trust in Jesus Christ. I want to walk through the door of hope before the day of judgment. I want to follow you all the days of my life. I believe that Jesus died for me and that he was raised from the dead on the third day. And I ask that you would forgive me of my sins and give me a brand new life through your son, Jesus. 
In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer with us, please take a step of faith. Let someone know that today you decided to trust Jesus Christ.